Yep. So welcome everybody to the webinar on Natchi TV. I'm Ben Gramico from InterNACHI, and uh, we have a special guest, Will Colton from Inspector Pro Insurance, gonna talk about uh, E&O and general liability insurance. And uh, we're gonna talk for about half hour or so. Um, pretty informal, questions and answers. Um, and I wanna thank Will for being here. And I wanna thank you all for being here. If you happen to get a phone call to schedule a job, go, get it. Don't worry about it because uh, the, the class, the webinar is being video recorded. And it'll be on Natchi TV in a couple of days. It takes me a while to get the videos up live. So um, feel free to ask questions. And if you are um, on live right now, you should be able to see me. I can't see you. You should be able to hear me. I can't hear you. So if you want to ask a question, use the chat. If you're on a phone, uh, there's a question button. Just um, hit send and send a question to me. I'll try to get to everyone's questions. Um, we had about 100 people register for the class. And uh, we'll talk about um, E&O and general liability insurance. And uh, our special guest is Will. Will Colton, he's a broker with Inspector Pro Insurance, with, which provides home inspectors professional and general liability insurance for their home inspection businesses. And we're gonna talk about um, everything a home inspector should know regarding errors and emissions, that's E&O, and general liability, that's the GL, including common misconceptions, your responsibilities, and claims prevention. And um, Inspector Pro Insurance, well, I just wanna be open and transparent. InterNACHI has a home inspector insurance program, but I'm not a home inspector, um, and to make a good decision nowadays, you have to have all the right information. Uh, feel free to comparison shop and get free quotes and call people up and ask questions because um, you, know, you have to be responsible for uh, your business and protect yourself, but you don't want to spend too much money, right? So there's a lot of things out there and we just want you to make a good decision. Um, also, uh, Inspector Pro Insurance is a gold sponsor of the annual convention. InterNACHI is hosting a home inspector convention in Boulder, Colorado this summer in June, 2019. It's absolutely free because of our amazing sponsors. So our sponsors essentially make the convention free. And that's good for home inspectors because we want our home inspectors to keep their money in their pockets, right? And come to the convention, rub elbows with everybody, have some great uh, education and training and hands-on stuff. We've got some building science mock-ups that you can get your hands on. Uh, we're flying drones. Um, we're squirting water on stucco walls. <laughs> um, we're tearing open a furnace. But um, Inspector Pro Insurance will be there because they are a gold sponsor and we wanna thank them for making the greatest, biggest home inspector convention free for everyone. They'll have a table, you can come and ask questions and um, get educated on many topics. And let's see, the URL for everybody for Inspector Pro Insurance is inspectorproinsurance.com, one word, inspectorproinsurance.com, and it looks like that. Um, so, so I wanted to thank Will. Thanks, Will, for being here. Um, how long have you been doing this? Oh, insurance for almost 15 years, and I've insured inspectors for just over a decade now. Just just hit 10 years a couple months back. And uh, 
Where's your office located? Where are you? Where are you from? Where? Well, I grew up in southern Utah in the red deserts, uh, but I live in northern Utah now. Our office is in American Fork, but we service all 50 states. Oh, great! Very good. All right, so I think I shared uh, the screen with you. You did. Awesome. And I may interrupt you if there's a, a question that you should answer. Um, but well, the 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 screen is all yours. Perfect. And please do interrupt me. I I really do want this to be an interactive uh, experience for everybody. Uh, so any questions that you do have, I'll try to get through my presentation for the most part. Uh, in doing this for ten years, I've learned a lot, not only about myself but about home inspection as well as insurance carriers, the claims process, uh, a few of the pitfalls that. Uh, insurees or you guys as insureds experience uh, and some of the frustrations as an agent are that when a, a home inspector doesn't meet their part of their insurance contract so we're going to talk a little bit about that and I'm not going to try to spend too much time selling today I want this to be educational so let's be sure to answer any questions that you have I'll try to leave time at the end as well for any further questions um, but let's just get started so that's me, that's my pretty face. That's all my contact information. I'll show it to you again, uh, but as Ben indicated, inspectorproinsurance.com. Um, in understanding your insurance policy, I believe it's important that you understand the, the relationship between you and your agent and the carrier, the insurance carrier, basics of the policy, your policy, and then really why it all matters. Uh, the first thing that you need to understand is that it is your responsibility to read your insurance policy and read it carefully. Look for those flaws and those questions for your agents. Your, your agents are there to answer those questions. And sometimes uh, those, those answers may not go exactly as you like uh, not a, because the insurance company doesn't offer a policy that covers every single exposure under the sun. Uh, our policy is specifically designed for home inspectors and so it's designed to be that, but if you start getting into other services, many of those things are gonna be excluded and we'll get into that as well. So the first thing we're gonna discuss uh, is carriers and agents. Your insurance carrier is basically your insurance company. They're the financial backing. They're the people that are promising to pay. Uh, and you can find the name of your carrier on your, on your certificates, on your policy, on your binder. In many cases, you'll know who that is. Now your agent, I'm not quite as handsome as this guy in the slide, but your agent is just a middleman. He's just a person that the insurance carrier has outsourced the sales process to, and he's gonna have some knowledge, he or she is going to have some knowledge of your policy and your carrier, uh, and a little bit of pull with the carrier, but at the end of the day, it's the carrier's decisions uh, and the enforcement of their insurance contract that really determines what happens. Uh, the policy basics. So there's several coverages offered to home inspectors. Uh, ben mentioned a few of those options or a few of those scenarios. But the two that we're really going to focus on today are one, general liability, and the second is errors and omissions, also known as professional liability. So if you've got a, a quote that says professional liability, that professional liability is the technical term for errors and omissions or E&O. Other things, you know, you've got workers' comp, health, disability, supplemental, all sorts of coverages. I mean, basically, an insurance carrier will write uh, 
getting exposure that you're willing to pay for, to be honest. Uh, to understand general liability, uh, what I want you to understand is that general liability is coverage for physical damage caused to property or person. And I say other person. So your general liability policy will not provide coverage for your own personal injury. Say you fall off a ladder uh, or you have an accident on the job site. That's a workers comp or maybe even a disability related exposure. So general liability provides coverage for you, uh, for your business in causing physical damage to property or other person. A few examples, about once a year, I get a, a tub overflow or a sink overflow uh, or something much smaller like a walking through the attic, stepping through the drywall. Those, those are mostly taken care of out of pocket by the inspector, but just a couple examples. One of my favorites, in the examples uh, is an inspector in Florida. I like to call this one extinguished. So the inspector was entering the attic. The entrance to the attic was in a laundry room. And so you had your, you know, your washer and dryer, as well as uh, some storage shelves next to that access. The inspector decides to move a suitcase on the shelf to gain access to the attic. The suitcase bumps a fire extinguisher on the top shelf and knocks that fire extinguisher onto the floor. It lands on the tile floor, breaks the tile in two places, and the fire extinguisher discharges into the cold air return across the hall while the HVAC unit was running. And extinguisher dust is blown into every single room of the home. So here's a few pictures of, of what happened. Uh, this was a fairly innocent mistake, right? Moving items, which Maybe we don't like to do all the time, but moving a few items to gain access to the attic causes this damage. This homeowner's home was actually clean. I think six and a half later, six and a half hours later, the home was completely clean, cleaner than it had been before the inspector got there, right? So this claim paid out. I think it was about $7,500 that it took to clean everything. They had to clean the ducts. They had to clean every wall, the ceiling, the furniture, all of that, and replace the tile. Um, errors and emissions coverage. ENO coverage is covers. It, sorry, ENO is coverage for your uh, for your report mostly. So legal defense coverage, uh, costs for lawsuits uh, alleging or actual acts that you uh, did incorrect during your inspection. So think of it more as a coverage for your report, a legal defense coverage, and a couple examples. Uh, in the pictures you see here, maybe you miss a foundation crack. Hopefully you don't miss one that big or a foundation pier or several issues with the roof. We get a lot of roof claims, a lot of changes in leak. One sample of an E&O claim. I mentioned the roof, a roof leak. So this inspector, what happened is nine months after the home inspection, the inspector received a call from the client and they alleged that the uh, inspector failed to report roofing problems and that those roofing problems led to leaks. Here's some th things that the inspector did well. The inspector had his pre-inspection agreement signed. The client didn't have legal representation, which always helps us. The inspector actually reported well. In the report, he specifically noted raised roof shingles uh, and improperly installed gutters, and he warned in the report of possible water damage. He also recommended further evaluation to, to determine the extent of the damage. 
So we all know what happens. Most of the time, your clients don't actually follow your advice to have the evaluation done. They close on the home and they move in. And several months later, they, this homeowner had a leak. A few things that the inspector could have done better is that he didn't take a ton of pictures on this inspection. I'm not saying that you have to put all those pictures into your inspection report, but take a lot of pictures. It helps to defend you. The inspector also didn't report the claim immediately to their insurance carrier. What happened initially is that when the client complained, the inspector called his own roofer and that roofer went out and fixed one portion of the roof's problems. And the inspector promised the client that there wouldn't be any more leaks. At this point, the inspector didn't get a release of liability, which leaves them open to future problems with the roof, as well as the guarantees provide, provided that there wouldn't be any leaks. And guess what? There were more leaks. The client also threatened to report him to the state licensing board and called him again at this point uh, to, to complain about more leaks. The result was this, because the inspector had gotten the inspection agreement signed, had gone beyond his duty, in my opinion, in trying to help the client, and the client hadn't met their part of the bargain in having it evaluated, we were able to settle this for the cost of the inspection. I call it marketing expense, and you're going to run into those every once in a while. Any questions on ENO and GL before I move on? Uh, well, do you do you uh, take a look at the reports? Do you ask? Is that one of the first pieces of documents that you want to see? Do you actually take a look at the reports? So I don't actually see a ton of the reporting. Um, I see all the inspection agreements. That's something that we attach to the policy. The reporting I don't normally see until there's an actual claim. Hmm. But you recommend a good report is is essential. You got to write up stuff. Absolutely, and write it correctly. Don't don't sugarcoat it. Don't, uh, they say, kill the sale. Obviously, we have important relationships with our realtors, but report correctly and, and accurately. Yeah, I, 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 uh, when I was a home inspector, I used to take hundreds of pictures. And actually, those pictures in the past have covered my butt. Um, I remember one was um, there was a, I uh, was in the basement, poor concrete foundation. There was a crack that I didn't see because there was a cabinet actually strategically placed um, right over that crack. Now, obviously, that cabinet was moved when my client moved in, and they saw this huge crack. Uh, fortunately, I had a picture of the entire basement, every wall, and I re did a revisit. I showed that I, you know, there's only certain things that I can see, and if it's not uh, visible, well, you know, we had a, we had in the, so I, I basically handled that with extra pictures. So pictures really are are really valuable for home inspectors. Yeah, absolutely. I've seen it save claims hundreds of times. Maybe it's a plant that's left on a wood floor and the plant wasn't moved. And when the client moves out, that plant left a water spot or a stain on the flooring. We see it all the time. So take a ton of pictures. Like I say, don't put them in your report, but they will save you. And also, uh, you mentioned the agreement. So get that signed before you step on the property, right? Absolutely. I'll, I'll cover that further. But in most states, it's not an enforceable contract if you commence services before it's signed. Okay, cool. Sorry for the interruption. Oh, no, no, thanks. 
So let's move on a little bit. Uh, one of the topics I want to talk about is a claims made policy versus an, versus an occurrence policy. These are the two types of E&O policy forms that you see. Now, it's like 99% of all of you that are carrying E&O have a claims made policy. The reason being is that it's more, it's much more affordable and it's just the way the insurance carriers have been servicing your industry. Uh, so let, I'll spend most of my time on claims made, but so that you understand occurrence, most general liability policies are occurrence. But an occurrence policy in essence means that if you had insurance coverage in place when you did an inspection or performed the service, you have coverage for that service for as long as the carrier allows you to. Most of them have a sunset date, uh, three or four years for a claim to be made. But think of it that way. If you had coverage in place when you did the inspection, you're covered moving forward. A claims made policy is a little bit different because a claims made policy requires that you have coverage in place when you do the inspection and pay attention that the policy coverage remain continuous without any lapses until the claim is made. That means you could have done an inspection three years ago and every year you renew your policy with no lapses, it's actually your current policy in place that you report that claim to. And it's your current policy, not the one that was in place three years ago, that provides coverage in that situation. So make sure not to allow that coverage to lapse. This, this diagram will give you a little bit, say this period in gray here, see if I can get a highlighter here. This period, in, this section in gray here is the period of time that you didn't have coverage in place. Maybe it's before you started inspecting them or before you started just deciding to carry, you know. Once you buy coverage, there's this little spot right here, retroactive date. Your retroactive date is the day that you start carrying coverage, the very first date. Now, every year that your policy renews, the new policy picks up this retroactive date for as long as you carry coverage. That could be 10 years, 15 years, two years, three years, whatever it is. Then when you retire or you stop inspecting, you don't have to renew your policy. You can buy a reduced cost tail coverage. It's just an endorsement to your policy that allows you to continue to report uh, claims from when you were carrying insurance. That tail coverage is normally one, two, or three years option. Once that tail coverage expires, you no longer have coverage. So uh, then we start to deal with statutes of limitation, right? Uh, we see most claims come in within 18 months of the inspection. So that'll give you a kind of a baseline. Yeah, I think we covered tail coverage pretty well. Lapses, let's, let's dig in a little bit more. If, if your insurance lapses, you actually lose that retroactive date I discussed. So you don't make your payment and your policy is canceled. You'll lose all your retro coverage. You're losing all coverage for past inspections. You decide not to renew, uh, you lose all that past coverage. The new carrier that you pick up, which I'll cover in scenario two, won't pick up that coverage. Now let's talk about provider changes. There's lots of providers out there, right? Probably four or five major providers to the home inspection industry. So let's say you're carrying your coverage. Uh, each house could represent a year of, of coverage, but then you decide this year that you wanna change your insurance carrier. Make sure that when you change, that new provider 
picks up your retroactive date. If you're dealing with somebody specific to our industry, uh, myself or some of my competitors, they're aware enough that they're going to be picking up your retroactive date. They're going to ask for your declarations page on your policy that will show your retroactive date. In scenario two, inspector B, let's call him, is carrying coverage for five to 10 years and then decides not to. He waits for a year, not carrying coverage, and then decides to buy a new policy. Unfortunately, because of this lapse here, that, that carrier or that inspector has now lost all the coverage if he didn't buy tail right here. And the new carrier is bound. They can only provide coverage for new inspections moving forward. The insurance carriers won't pick up uh, past years after a lapse in coverage. So again, I hope that's clear. Uh, a big understanding that you need to have is don't allow your insurance coverage to lapse. Now your insurance policy. Your policy is specifically a contract with your insurance carrier. You agree to terms and they also agree to those terms. They agree to provide coverage and you agree to your part, which we'll go over. Declarations page. Normally within the first five or 10 pages of your insurance policy is a declarations page that looks something like this. There's several components to that declaration page, including you, the named insured, obviously your business address that you see here, the policy period, which is the effective date. Now, if you guys see this, there's a specific moment in time that your policy expires and starts. So it starts at 12.01 a.m. on the effective date of the policy and expires at 12.01 a.m. at the end date of the effective. It's gonna list your limits of insurance, of course. We'll go, I'll cover each claim in aggregate in a second. It's gonna list your deductible. It'll also show in most cases the premium that you paid. And then if you look right down here, we see this little retroactive date. So this fictitious home inspector was carrying coverage since 2012. It looks like the, they picked up the retroactive date. So I mentioned the, the aggregate and per claim limit. You'll see in many cases on your policies that you have two limits uh, for both GN, GL and ENO. The first limit is your per occurrence or per claim limit, which is the amount that can be paid in one single claim, one single incident. The aggregate limit is your annual limit. That's the total amount that could be paid over multiple claims uh, in that year. So you could have 10 claims for $100,000 and it would exhaust your million. Once the insurance carrier gets past their, their total limit, you're on your own. Uh, deductibles. Uh, the thing that you need to understand about your deductible is that the carriers in most cases are going to bill you at the end of the claims process, but there are some that need to be paid up front. Deductibles are also called retentions, uh, not to be confused with my next slide, which is self-insured retention. Now, this is different than just a standard retention because this is a way a carrier kind of... Uh, it hedges their bets of collection and all of those things. There's only a few policies out there, uh, mostly in southern states. They're high, they're low limit, like 100,000 and high deductibles, and they carry what's called a self-insured retention. The big difference between a self-insured retention is that you agree to pay that retention upfront before the insurance carrier will do anything. They will literally do nothing for you until you give them your self-insured retention. So if that's 5,000, 
you probably need to have that in reserve so that when you have a claim, you can write a check to the insurance carrier. Then they get involved. And in most cases, if they don't use all of your deductible or your retention, they're going to refund you whatever the difference is. Retroactive date we talked about. It's the day you started carrying e &O coverage. It's the date that your policy will go back to to provide coverage for inspections. So anything um, done from that date moving forward, as long as your policy has been continuous. The second portion of the policy is the insuring agreement. This is where the insurance company actually breaks down exactly what they're doing for you. They tell you what you're what you're being covered for. They define it. They normally say we will pay or we agree to uh, pay claims uh, and provide defense, all of those things. It's a bigger section of your contract or of your policy. Normally it's 10 to 20 pages long uh, and it'll break that all down. Exclusions. Most insurance policies are riddled with exclusions. Many of these exclusions can be covered by our next slide, which is endorsements, but they're portions of your policy that are specifically excluded. Things the carrier is absolutely not going to provide coverage for unless they're giving it back to you in an endorsement. Conditions. These are your duties. The, the insurance carrier provides your insuring agreement and also sets conditions on you. You've got to pay. Right, you got to pay your premium. You got to let them know about uh, potential uh, reporting or potential claims, and then you have to cooperate. So all those conditions will be in there. Read them. But uh, before I move on to the next section, I want to talk about your specific duties in the claim process, because I see it all the time. One of the main reasons that people uh, get coverage declined is because they don't report in a timely manner. So you need to make sure that you are doing that. Be sure to report in a timely manner. And what does that mean? Well, your insurance policies is pretty specific. Most of, the, most of them say, specific is an odd word here, but most of them say, notify us as soon as practicable. So use common sense here. If, if you get a call on Sunday night at 5 p.m., there's probably not gonna be anybody answering your phone call if you try to make a call at that point. You could send an email to your agent uh, but if you have a potential claim, call your agent. That doesn't mean that you have a claim. Your, cl your agent can guide you through the process. And many of us currently have what's called a pre-claims assistance or a claim intercept type situation where we'll help you uh, respond to your client without it actually ever becoming a claim. We've learned that there's a ton of benefit in getting involved early, both for you and for us. You also have to cooperate through that process. You have to provide the related information and documentation. You have to cooperate in the investigation. Um, you have to show up to any court hearings or depositions. One major problem, do not ever offer settlement or, or payment on the carrier's behalf. You don't want to tell the client, oh, my insurance is going to pay for you. Don't, don't, just don't do that. You're not authorized to, on their behalf to offer settlement or payment. Do not accept ever liability or responsibility. Even when you know you're wrong, you're just gathering information from the client and you can probably tell me you, you think you missed it, but don't tell the client that because you don't want to accept that liability or responsibility uh, because then you tend to bind the carrier and the carriers don't like that and can deny coverage based on accepting liability or responsibility. A real important portion of the policy is the definitions. 
you can learn a lot about what your policy is really trying to say by understanding the definitions of the policy. You'll see in the policy forum that words that the carrier specifically defines are either uh, highlighted with quotation marks or are specifically in bold lettering. So if anywhere in your policy you read a word and it's bold or it has quotation marks around it, you can go back to the de definitions portion of your policy and that will tell you exactly what they mean by that word. For example, a claim is defined in most policies, something along these lines, means a written demand for money that is based upon an actual or alleged wrongful act. The client can allege that you've done something wrong that you absolutely know you haven't, and that can result in a claim. And you probably want to make a call to your agent at that point, especially if they've written that down in email or sent you a specific letter. You get an attorney letter, you've got a claim, and your carrier wants to interact with it. A wrongful act is defined. A breach of duty, a neg negligence, misstatement, misleading statement, or maybe an omission. I, I got a call last week from a client who had actually, he said to himself, in my notes, I reported an issue with the roof, but I moved the wrong dialogue or the wrong narrative over in his report. So he actually caught the issue on the inspection, but he failed to report it correctly. That's an omission in reporting. Um, and we see that all the time. In that situation, it's, it's obviously an honest mistake. He's not a bad inspector, but that client has a potential uh, damages because of that. Inspection services. My policy defines inspection services specifically. This is where a lot of the coverage is defined, so read carefully. Inspection, inspection services means it, the visual examination of readily accessible systems and components of residential or other real property as specifically described in an inspection agreement. So that means you can do an inspection that's non-invasive on any type of property as long as you've got an inspection agreement. And that inspection services includes a written report summarizing the res results of an examination performed pursuant to the agreement. And in most cases, uh, there needs to be payment made for, uh, for it to actually for you to be liable, right? There needs to be consideration. An inspection agreement is defined as a written contract between you and your clients for whom the inspection services are being performed, and it specifically identifies the premise or the address, the thing that's being inspected. It's signed. Notice the highlight. Any type of signature is likely is okay and acceptable in court but it can be the client or their authorized agent, but it must be before the inspection services are commenced. As Ben asked earlier, uh, you must have that signed. In most states, if you don't get it signed before you start the inspection, you don't have an enforceable contract. We don't have a way to defend you. And in many cases, my carrier and even my competitive carriers can, they don't always, but can, deny coverage because you have, don't have a properly executed inspection agreement. Like I said, it requires them to pay a fee. Um, also with, with our policy, we want to make sure that we have your current inspection agreement attached to your policy. So be sure to share that with your agent and your carrier. If you change your agreement, be sure to update that. Now endorsements. Endorsements are ways that the carrier can add coverage back in. So they take it all away and then they actually 
can add the coverage right back in. Uh, these are common with things like pest and mold uh, or pool and spa inspections, uh, things that they'll give you back. They'll tailor your policy specifically to, you, specifically to you. One thing to watch for on your endorsements is that many carriers will take those endorsements and let's say you have a million dollars in coverage, they'll give you a lower limit of coverage on that specific endorsement. It's called sublimits. So maybe you've got 500 or a million in coverage, but you've got coverage for radon and they only give you $100,000 in coverage. This is a specific endorsement taken from uh, a policy that's available on the market right now. So you see they're only giving you $100,000 in coverage. Any, any uh, should we stop for a second and answer any questions you guys might have? I've given you a ton of information. Sure, we do have some questions. Um, so there's a question about Canada. Um, how about home inspection insurance for Canadian inspectors? So I don't currently offer it. Um, I know my U.S. competitors don't have offerings there as well. Canada is kind of a different different market. We uh, we came into the market. We had a policy available for a short period of time, I think in 2015, uh, and then pulled out. Uh, I think it's something we might entertain down the road, but I think there's a few options there. I think Hub is one of them. There's one out of British Columbia. I think that might be a state-run coverage, but currently I don't have anything available there. Uh, another question is, uh, when you say a lot of pictures, taking a lot of pictures for a system, how many is good for a claim for claim purposes? Hmm. My answer to that, my answer to that is yes. Take, <laughs> a, take a ton. Take, <laughs> take a ton. I, like I say, don't put them all in the report. But I have guys that take 100 to 150 per inspection, which is probably pretty adequate. Uh, on a standard inspection. I have other guys that take 300 pictures on an inspection. They've got a huge, you know, five terabyte hard drive where they store those pictures specifically. But just just take a lot or, or get one of those 360 cameras and, and take it around the whole home. Jesus asks, is there an issue or liability with having a realtor ask for a copy of your insurance policy? No, most cases the realtor just wants to be listed. So you can get what's called a certificate of insurance. You can list them as an additional insured. That's more common than sending them the entire policy, and that will give them most of the information they need. Glenn says, uh, makes a comment that th this stuff isn't much different from a car insurance. It's, you know, it isn't like crazy difficult to understand. No, I, I think most people have had auto insurance in the past though. And the way that the claims come in on E&O is an entirely different process. Yeah. Like you're driving a car down the road, you've got coverage in place, you have an accident the same day, where E&O claims are normally, you know, months months or years down the road. Um, and a, an auto policy is probably, you know, 15 pages long, where your E&O policy is closer, in most cases, anywhere between, you know, 50 and 100 pages long. Well, uh, you're making it uh, simple for us to understand, Will. Good. Uh, the, the main question is I always get is, um, you know, how much is this going to cost? And that's a really difficult, impossible qu a question to answer accurately, right? You have to get a quote and you have to send some data to your, your uh, insurance carrier for that quote, right? Yeah, they're going to require in most cases an application. Maybe you'll get a verbal indication from an agent on the phone. But in most cases, to be accurate, you absolutely need to complete an application. It's going to ask you questions about your revenue and number of inspections, number of inspectors, uh, 
the types of coverage you want, the limits, all that. But they range out there anywhere from, you know, I've seen the cheap ones that I won't sell for about a thousand bucks a year. Most are a little couple hundred dollars more than that, that are a decent product to start. And then they get up as high as, you know, $2,500. And I mean, if you, if you're a high revenue company, some of you are paying 10 or $20,000 a year. So revenue is the number one factor in determining that rate. And also if I have a multi, if it's a multi-inspector company, right? I, everybody should be covered. Yeah, absolutely. And, and the policies do that differently. Some policies will only cover one individual at a time, but most of them will define employees as being covered. Uh, sometimes they'll charge for that. Uh, most of the policies can provide coverage for a 1099 uh, subcontractor or even somebody that really works for you full time. But that all those things affect your rates. Uh, Joshua asks, just starting out, what minimums would you recommend? Oh, it's tough. Yeah. So my E&O coverage tells me that I can't tell you how much is enough. But I'll <laughs> give you I'll give you a little bit. This is how I answer that question. Number one, it's what helps you sleep best at night. Sometimes the higher limits are a great marketing situation, so you can get more business because you carry higher limits. But I will tell you, three hundred thousand covers. 95% of all the claims that I see come in. Hmm. So if you're starting out, I would probably do at least 300,000. And then as business increases, you can always increase your limits. Yeah. Um, if you're insuring me as an inspector, do you ask me not to do certain things like the standards of practice says, I don't have to walk on a roof, but what if I do? Are you going to tell me uh, don't walk on a roof? I'm not. I think that there's a lot of business decisions. Uh, and there are things that I will say you're not going to do construction or handyman services. I mean, you can obviously do them, but we're not going to cover them. Uh, but at the end of the day, standards of practice are one thing. They're much easier to defend. Most people go a little bit beyond that standard in one form or another. So we're not that picky. And uh, Inspector Pro Insurance has a ton of articles online um, based on specific things like state requirements and what home inspectors in the industry should do. And you can, you have a blog and, and things like that, additional information, right? Yeah, if you go to the website, inspectorproinsurance.com and just find the blog, you will see just a ridiculous amount of, of content. You can also subscribe to that to that do, newsletter. We do it twice a month and it, most of them are, you know, a quick read, five, 10 minutes, and they're they're pretty informative. Our, our marketing people and our newsletter girl, do, they do a fabulous job. Cool. Um, you know, I ran a home inspection company and we used to, there's a practice that we did to give um, a post inspection survey in order to document my client's opinion of their experience. And just to, if they had a good time, if they thought I was very thorough, we wanted that actually in writing just in case um, things down the road change and their opinion kind of changes, we could remind them what they actually thought on the day of the inspection. What do you think about post inspection surveys? I think it's a wonderful idea. It's a great way to, to gather permanent information. I, I think it's a great way to kind of improve yourself as well. Cool. All right. Uh, that's the end of the questions that we have so far. You want to keep going? Okay. Yeah, I've only got a couple more things and we'll be, okay. we'll be done. Cool. Um, I basically covered some of those examples of policy endorsements. Like I say, every policy is different. Read yours. Uh, some, some carriers will give you standard, some of these things standard on every policy they write. You can't tell a ton from a quote as to what the actual policy form is, but in most cases, they will list somewhere on the quote 
a schedule of these endorsements. So it'll show you whether or not you have pest coverage or septic coverage or, or anything like that. Some things that they won't cover, insurance carriers don't like environmental pollution. They, they do write policies for it, but your inspector ENO is not going to provide coverage for pollution. Uh, they're not going to cover sexual harassment, fraud. We talked about your own personal injury, uh, employee discrimination, workers' comp. Uh, these are all separate things. Most of these things can be covered by other types of policies. Uh, your policies will specifically exclude other professional services. Most home inspection policies exclude engineering services. Don't stamp your report with an engineering stamp, please. That could void your coverage. Won't, won't give you uh, construction services or notary services or all those types of things. Make sure you're properly licensed because that can affect your coverage. Uh, your insurance coverage is also not a warranty, just like your inspection is not a warranty or a guarantee. Your insurance policy is not. So here's why it all matters to me. The insurance carriers, uh, for the most part, write a very similar policy form. Uh, there are some differences and some advantages that you'll discover during reading. But how your insurance carrier interacts with your insurance policy is the most important. Now, you want one that stands behind you. You want an agent that's responsive, uh, that provides good customer service, and is available to answer your questions. When you have a claim, there's a few different things that happen. One, they send you a letter saying you're covered. They appoint maybe an attorney locally, or they settle your general liability claim real easy by, by paying for the damages to be cleaned up. Some of the letters that you will see that I want you to know about, the first is a denial of liability. This is when an insurance carrier drafts a letter telling your client that you're not liable. They're literally denying that you have any liability in the situation, and it's normally the first thing these carriers like to do when they know that the case is pretty cut and dry. Sometimes that will get rid of a lawsuit or get rid of the client just by itself. The second is reservation of rights. This one's really confusing, actually, because what the insurance carrier does is they say they're reserving their rights to evaluate this coverage further, but while they're doing that, they're going to provide defense for you. This is very common when there's like a portion of a lawsuit that maybe it's fraud related. Maybe there's something in the lawsuit that isn't covered by the insurance policy and a lot of things that are. The insurance carrier still steps in. They provide defense, uh, but they continue to evaluate. Uh, and if if the case, say they get all the things but the non-covered items dismissed, then they could at that point deny any future coverage for those things, the things that aren't covered. The last thing that you get, and the thing that none of us like is a denial of coverage. It either means that the policy form didn't provide coverage for the specific thing that you're filing for, or you failed in your duties uh, on the policy. Those duties haven't been satisfied. We don't, we don't love denials of coverage. None of us do, but they happen every once in a while. The most common reasons for denials of coverage, the number one I see and the number one uh, my competitor that I speak to regularly, regularly sees is an improperly executed inspection agreement. If your contract's not signed, not signed prior to the inspection, you leave yourself open to not having coverage when you need it. Failure to report in a timely manner. Not only that, but let's say you renew your policy and a month before renewal, you knew that you had a potential claim and you didn't report it at renewal, you're likely going to get a denial of coverage. 
if you have knowledge 12 months ago of a potential client claim or complaint, you don't let your insurance carrier know for 12 months, they might deny your coverage based on timely reporting. Or the client sends you a letter, you respond to it yourself. Eight months later, you get an attorney letter from that client. They might deny your coverage. So call your agent. They can guide you through that. Uh, coverage not included in the policy, that's pretty easy to understand. If you don't have mold coverage on your policy and you get sued for mold, your insurance carrier is likely going to deny your coverage and you won't have defense. Or you file a claim outside the coverage period, like we were talking about the claims made. You had a lapse, or maybe it's from when, before you started inspecting, or maybe you decided not to renew your coverage and now you're trying to report a claim. So uh, that's all I've got, Ben. Other than other than any further questions, kind of flew through that. You guys have any more questions for me? We're basically at I time. I turn my microphone on. <laughs> <laughs> uh, we got one more question, if that's okay. Yeah, absolutely. So InterNACHI has uh, all these um, ancillary inspection training and certifications for inspectors, and there's a question about endorsements. So the question is, so endorsement needs to be added for items or services we specialize in, let's say, septic inspection systems, uh, inspecting septic systems. Yes, absolutely. Most policies won't cover that standard. So it's something that you need to add. Yep, in most cases. And that's called an endorsement. Yes. Okay. Hey, if you could uh, switch the screen back to me, that'd be great. We'll wrap this up. Oh, there we go. I figured this out earlier. Now we got to figure it out again. There we go. <laughs> I think you should get it now. Awesome. Well, Will, thank you very much for being with us. Uh, I want to make sure that everybody knows that uh, Inspector Pro Insurance is a gold sponsor of the um, InterNACHI annual convention for home inspectors called the Inspector Fair, and it's all free. So come to the fair and meet our gold sponsor, Inspector Pro. And um, Will, thank you very much. It was really thank great. You. If, if you missed any of, of this uh, presentation, uh, we'll record it and put it on our YouTube channel and um, social media channels and in our newsletter and we'll share it with everybody. And um, Will, thank you very much again. I appreciate it. Thank you. Thanks everybody. If you have any questions, that is Will Colton from Inspector Pro Insurance. Bye everybody. Bye Will.